Well, come on. Ready? Here comes lullaby music. senses are shaken and the soul is driven to madness, who can stand? When the souls of the oppressed fight in the troubled air that rages, who can stand? When the whirlwind of fury comes from the throne of God and the frowns of his countenance drive the nations together, who can stand? When sin claps his broad wings over the battle and sails rejoicing in a flood of death, when souls are torn to everlasting fire and fiends of hell rejoice upon the slain, oh, who can stand? Can you? Oh, who hath caused this? Oh, who can answer at the throne of God? The kings and the nobles of the land have done it. Hear it not, heaven, thy ministers have done it. Mm. All right, let's see if we can get things opened up. We'll back Lorena down. There we go, incrementally. Good morning. Here we go on the Tuesday edition. It's the old Radio Ranch. On August the 15th, middle of the month. Boy, just strap yourselves in for when this one's over. You know, it's like, Paul, remember when you were a kid, went to the roller coaster? I used to love roller coasters. Oh, yeah. You know, the kind that make you yeah, want to went, scare, the, scare the life out of me. Well, you know, when you get, when it pulls up at the end and they get off and you can see who wet their pants, you know, that kind of roller coaster. Um, and, and you get on that thing and you get strapped in and there's this slow and they, they have to engage that chain that pulls you up to the top of that first big hill and it's slow and you're going along and you get to the top and you go over it and you look straight down and you go holy smokes or you might say something more emphatic than that that's where we are um so there was was a wooden coaster there was a wooden coaster at an amusement park um at a lake in minnesota i forget what the uh I forget what the name of the park was, but I will never forget that roller coaster. It threw me. I was like 10 years old, and it threw me so far out of that seat. I thought sure as hell I was done for. Yeah. I only rode that, I only rode that coaster once. Yeah. Well, you're riding it again, big boy. And the hill may be bigger, and the <laughs> steepness might be more, you know. Don't know. That's where we are, though, going up the hill. I don't know how close we are to the top, but we're headed that direction. Of course, Roger Sales with you here on the Tuesday edition, and uh, we're on a number of different platforms, and we like to give Paul a little airtime to tell us which ones those are. He's got it down pretty good. Oh, yeah. See there? Actually, um... Yeah, I'm I'm here. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Good. Okay. 
<laughs> well, there might be a cell phone commercial in there somewhere. We're on uh, eurofolkradio.com, which, of course, is the flagship. We're also mirror-streamed on radio.globalvoiceradio.net. We're on homenetwork.tv, freedomnation.tv. Periodically, we're on uh, Anthony Berry 8625 on TikTok and 1776ER, that's 1776ER on Rumble. And more platforms coming. Yes, more than likely. We've got a stream life. I think we've got a stream life, um, stream.life link coming up and a Roku link coming up. One of these days, we're going to have a lot of people checking in here, hear about this. Don't know what day that's going to be, but I know, as they say in the South, it's coming. It's coming. Um, I suppose the, uh, the most topical thing this morning is the ineptness of Soros prosecutors and their staffs. Um, namely one, how would you like to have a prosecutor named Fanny? I bet that gal's as wide as an 18 wheeler. Okay. Um, Fanny, whatever her name is, one of this Soros, uh, beast, a beast that's, uh, in Fulton County, Fulton County's downtown Atlanta. Uh, and they've used the same formula in all these states with the big cities in them. They go in and they take control of that inner city, those counties, and then control the rest of the state with it. Uh, and in Atlanta, unfortunately, God, I am so glad I'm out of Georgia. I, it, it's impossible for me to believe the Georgia that I spent 30 years in has turned into what it is. And I feel sorry for all you folks. I know the rest of the state's very conservative. Uh, for the most part, but, uh, and I'm assuming all of y'all know this, but there's some things that I, I did not hear yesterday out of one commenter. And, uh, since we like to go into some of the intricacies of law here, when you, um, and they've totally like everything else, they've totally screwed up the whole grand jury system. Uh, there's rules they don't follow and intimidate witnesses. In a grand jury, uh, uh, the, the witnesses and the prosecutors can talk about what happened. It's just the grand jury people can. But if they try and talk, they intimidate them now. But by the rules, they can talk about what went on in there. Just the grand jury people can't. So when they call a grand jury and they deliberate on whatever they're deliberating on, and instead of, it's like Barnes was talking about this the other night on, on Sunday, um, the prosecutor goes in there and dictates what the grand jury is exposed to, where it ought to be the grand jury gets to go in there and decide what the grand jury is going to deliberate on and look at. Okay, So it's just another way they short-sheet the system every time they can. Um, when a grand jury comes out, they issue a thing called a true bill. True bill. Mm-hmm. And those findings are what leads to whatever indictments come out of it. Okay? So I'm supposing everybody in this audience knows what happened yesterday afternoon. Maybe you don't. But uh, we've got the triumphant, the third and third or the fourth, I forget which one, is going after Trump in Georgia. 
with a unbelievable list of it. Of uh, first of all, it starts out with Rico. They they don't expand on it at all. Just charge him with Rico violations. Okay. Now Rico was a statute that was uh, originated to go after organized crime, and uh, it's called the. What, racketeering, something, something, something. I forget what RICO stands for. Anyway, um, that was the first charge against Trump. No no uh, elaboration on it at all. Just, hey, we're charging you with RICO. Here's the deal about RICO is they can bring up anything that comes out of dis- discovery and come after you criminally and sue you outside of the RICO suit on it. Okay, And there's another interesting layer on RICO is that when there's damages, there's treble damages. So whatever the damages are, you pay triple. Okay. So that was first charge. And then they've got him with forgery and conspiracy to attempt forgery and just this long list of absolute total BS. I mean, you know, look, they've been looking into Trump. For what seven years now, eight years? I mean, he's got to be the squeaky, squeaky cleanest guy in the whole friggin' country. All of this stuff they've been going after him for, they can't find one thing to charge him with. You know, except an extortion attempt by some uh, Stormy Daniels and her big boobs and her crooked ass attorney. You know, uh, uh, all that. And then, do you know what happened, Paul? I mean, have you been in a in a cave or something since yesterday? Do you understand? Did you see what happened here? <clears throat> yeah, I've been in a cave. Okay. Well, then, yeah. <laughs> well, let me tell you. For those of you who've been cave, for the for those for you spelunkers here, let me tell you what's gone on. They came back. They were going to indict Trump. They came back and said, "No, the grand jury's got to meet again," and that was yesterday. And before the grand jury was out, Fanny, what's her name, one of her inept assistants, went and filed the case, and they put it on their web and they put it on their website. So before the grand jury came out with a true bill for the indictments, they posted the indictments and filed the case. Okay, that would make the indictments fraudulent, wouldn't it? Yes, it would. (laughs) And now they're scrambling, going, oh, no, no, that was a mistake. I forget what their excuse is this morning. But uh, this is how inept these people are. This is how full of hate and vengeance and vitriol that these these heinous people are full of. There's a female trying to say something there who was trying to say something. That's not a female. This is Jeff. I was oh. going to say, didn't they also include the grand jury names? I don't know. I didn't see that, Jeff. But uh, but they did post and file yeah. the suit, and it was file stamped, uh, Fulton County, I guess, uh, before the grand jury before the grand jury came out and issued a true bill. <laughs> well, so I guess what that you know, means is that Trump's in the clear. Well, will you? Who knows? I, I, hold it. Hold it. Hold it, Paul. With this crooked-ass judiciary, you can't say that. Oh, 
Well, kind of, sort of, because uh, if they do it again, then they're they're violating uh, double jeopardy. Well, they it, gave they 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 gave him here's, they gave him an exit visa. They well, gave him a rubber stamp. Here's the question. Here's the real big question. When in the hell is the Supreme Court going to step in and stop all this foolishness? Okay, that that's a question. By the no way, idea. Mike, on that ghost gun decision we touched on yesterday. You know who the swing vote was? Comey oh. Barrett. Amy Conan Barrett. No. And what's his name? Right. Uh, the chief, chief Justice went in against the ghost guns, too. Him and Amy Conan Barrett. No. Well, the, the grand okay. jury thing? Yes. This is something where I would expect this kind of action to happen when if you're bringing up fake charges that you really don't want to go through with you know with all of this politics i my assumption well the fact of the matter is there is a higher level that owns the democrats and the republicans and plays both sides against each other and if there's nothing there but they want to plant the seeds that there is something there then what they can do is they can bring him up on charges they could take it all the way to the line of the grand jury get ready to publish them and then sabotage what they, you know, pretend to sabotage what they were doing, knowing full well that there was nothing there. And then they can go on for months and months and say, well, well, the prosecutor or whatever they uh, uh, messed it up. It was all true. Donald Trump did all these things, but uh, our guy messed it up. And, and, you know, that's, that's our bad. But so now forever, you know, they've already planted the seed and they can run with this forever without ever having to uh, take it to trial. Well, that's what they do. You know, they exactly put the out the point. they put the fake that news out. That was exactly the point I was trying to make. Yeah. They every every single liberal is going to say, oh, they had Trump dead to rights, but they screwed up and they skated on double jeopardy. They're going to get mileage out of this like you can't imagine. Well, they're going to try and do anything. I understand it, though. They're going to try and do I understand it, though. You really have to, um, I'm sorry, internalize the fact that the Democrats are owned in the same way as the Republicans, all from the top to the bottom, okay? You know, and there's a couple good guys here and there, but as an institution, they're owned, okay? And and once you realize this and you really internalize it and you, you watch this theater, you'll realize, you, you'll see the holes. You'll see that, that, that it's, you know, you, you you'll never be able to prove it, right? Because you don't, you know, these guys don't write that they do it out on paper. But when you see it happen again and again and again, then you can then then the proof is there. In the same way that the whole uh, uh, RussiaGate thing, it was all on uh, hearsay. Everything, literally, a a, a a a an impeachment, a hearsay impeachment. So the guys going in there, they're smart lawyers. They know what they're doing. It's all intentional. You know what the interesting thing about Russiagate, and I heard somebody floating this idea the other day, and I forget who, um, was that it was originally drawn up by Hillary's team to be used against Joe Biden in the in the run up to get the uh, nomination. <coughs> And that then they just took that when Biden fell by the wayside, they took that and substituted Trump for Biden. It was like hunters that got peed on by a Russian hooker, uh, all that kind of stuff. So I don't know, it's just a theory, but it's pretty interesting. Um, well, evidently, would, the, on, Russia, the, on the hold that on, would make, yep. go ahead. 
Go ahead. Well, been... that would make that the most the most uh, truthful thing that the Democratic Party has ever done. Yeah, if it was Biden. Okay. And that's the hindsight theory. Now, the person... Because that... it didn't come out until after he was already in office. So yeah, he was in office, true. and then they came out with Russiagate. You know, Russia through the election. That You know, uh, Leon, uh, John Podesta came out with that theory, you know, three days after the election, uh, you know, and, and, and she had no concession speech. And my theory on that is that Israel was the one that... Uh, that uh, rigged it for Trump. You know, they, they both rigged it and Clinton knew it was rigged. And so how could they lose? Well, Israel, of course, right? They, they had the strong Zionist support on Trump, right? But, uh, Netanyahu, right? But they definitely couldn't come out and say, Israel rigged the election for Donald Trump, right? Because that's suicide because those guys wow. are on both sides, right? Well, hell, so, uh, Israel. Well, we could say Russia. Israel's probably rigged every election we've had in the last 40 40- you know, 50 years, something like that. Uh, so the, right. uh, back to Jack, the, Ruby. Jack Rubenstein. Yeah. So, uh, but go back to the Atlanta situation. It was the clerk of the court this morning that came out and made the statement that the, when they filed it and published it, it was fake. So, uh, Anyway, just another, whether it's intentional or not, I don't think it was intentional. I think they're a bunch of idiots. They're so full of glee, just like that chairman of the one that's a public witch. The chairman of the grand jury is a public witch. I'm assuming most of you have seen her interviewed either on TV or when she originally came out in her little statement. And she, oh, I just can't. I want to be the first one to indict Trump. It'll be fun. That was her comment on TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I, I, th- I think they're just a bunch of deranged idiots. Okay. But we'll see. Hey, Roger. Yes, Mike. You know, I'd love, if I had the money, I would love to file a federal lawsuit against all this gun control and make him state who it applies to and who it doesn't apply to. Well, you, okay. Got no, make them state it. It only applies to U.S. citizens and residents, not uh, nationals. Oh, make yeah. them state it. Oh, yeah. Well, it's stated. Uh, I mean, and basically, you just can't understand it. Actually, the gun laws apply to residents, not citizens of the United States, Mike. Residents. You go back to 27 CFR and well, look at their yeah. jurisdictional statement. It's residents. Yeah, see, I know, force them to acknowledge that and see, and they'll be asking, well, what's, this, what's, this, what's this national? Well, I'll show you how what that is. Well, we and might have a, a big-ass wrench in there. We, we, we may have a, that thanks to Mississippi Mama and, and uh, uh, this attorney she knows uh, over there in Baton Rouge. Uh, and I stuck them together with Mama yesterday on email, and uh, Byron and I saw a couple of the replies, and they they said it says in the Louisiana state statutes you can't vote unless you're a citizen of the United States. Now, that's clear-cut discrimination right there, and what I'm trying to, at least, you know, one of these ideas I get, see if we can get this uh, this attorney in Baton Rouge turned on to our stuff, and he's got three other people there that are nationals in the state, and they could sue the Secretary of State of Louisiana for discrimination because they've got political rights and they can't participate in the scam. 
Okay. Have you yeah. ever been to Redstone, Minnesota? It's beautiful. Have I ever been to you what? Been to it's in the Constitution. It's I, I went. That's what that I went to. I went to school over there for five years, off and on. Very familiar with it. Oh, it's beautiful. beautiful. Oh, it's a it's a lovely campus, actually. Uh, so, uh, Abram, what was your comment? You could take it up a notch and uh, find someone in Minnesota to uh, to bring this up in a court case because it's in the Constitution, the Minnesota State Constitution, that you cannot vote unless you're a citizen. Well, okay, a citizen of the United States. Hold on, hold on, hold on. A citizen of the United States or a citizen of the of a citizen period. I'm quite sure that it's a citizen of the United States because you have to reside there for more than 30 days. Right. Okay. Because you know, here's where we get into this word here's where we get into this word parsing. You're technically a citizen, but you're a citizen of the United States of America and not the federal United States. Well, doesn't the citizen in the old inherently mean that references us as state citizens? Right, but citizen is inherently uh, under civil law, isn't it? I mean, it's the well, law. No, no. Like a, the, the, well, the inhabitant no. Abram, it's, it's in the Declaration of Independence. There wasn't no civil law back then. Right. That's a really good point. Okay. But um, what's the difference? What's the difference? What's the difference? Okay. That I'm one is capitalized. Oh, that's a proper noun then. Okay. So I listen. This is another reason yeah, that. Go ahead. Go on. How's the, the, I was that's say, uh, Minnesota? No, oh. enshrines. All right, Abram, so you go first. Because we are. All right, we are grateful to God for our civil rights. And religious liberties. That's what it says in the, the preamble of the Constitution of the state of Minnesota. So right there, they've written everything about being a national out the door. Is that a revised Constitution of Minnesota? I believe so, and it's the revised statutes of the, uh, why the don't laws you, of the land. Why don't you the, go? The laws that, uh, why don't you go back and see when they revised it and see if you can find an original? Uh, Seventy-six, I believe. Okay, well, see that one does that one doesn't apply to you because you don't have civil rights, but the earlier one probably does. All right. Okay. All right. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. Hold on. Uh, hold on. Let me get Bob. I recognize Bob. Yeah. Well, that that Jeff was saying earlier. I saw a press release on that same thing that. In some of these mistakenly released uh, records, the grand jury members' names were unredacted. Oh, okay, right. Which are supposed to be real that secret. Ought to be exciting. Well, it's, the whole thing's going to get damned exciting, Bob. Who was the other guy trying to say something there? <laughs> um. We've got somebody, somebody in the conference room. We've got a constant background noise. Um, somebody was trying to say something when I recognized Bob. Now's your time. Come forward. Um, 
Slick, aren't they? They're pretty slick, aren't they, Baron? Yeah, they're slick. Yeah, very much so. Um, so uh, well, you know, my question is, which is you know, which is it? Well, you signed penalty of perjury under one that's very specific. Uh, I'd love to see y'all. I'd love to see y'all because you got three of you over there, and if this lawyer is is of a like mind of of, of Miss Mama, and uh, then maybe you might have something to run on. But I'd love to see you poke the bear on this one. Okay, you you Baron that talked to the legislator that was talking to the legislator about this, and she of course had no idea. And you hit her on the thing with the Grace Commission. I don't remember if you, but you or Byron, I have a hard time keeping you two straight, okay? But one of you went in there on, talked to your legislator, the income tax came up, and you brought up the Grace report, and she stood silent. That was me. Okay. That was me, yeah. Well... You guys have got a, you know, you got a couple of folks there that have changed status, and we may have an attorney there that can help you uh, of a like mind. We'll find out. And if so, uh, you can might even do just a memorandum of clarification or something and hit them with that and say, if you can't give us an answer, we're going to sue you. Let's see. I, I'm just throwing out ideas, okay? Dwayne, uh, I talked to Dwayne, I uh, got the introduction, and uh, he is sending the attorney uh, a certified letter. So we got that going. So that lawyer, uh, I might, you know, he might be interested in that. Okay. Well, it's a good test case, and you know, we like I said, as we've talked about, we got two issues here that we can really get offensive with. One of them is voting, and the other one, uh, of course, is the IRS. So you'd be doing one of them on a state level and one of them on a federal level. Right, right. Well, uh, just for uh, just so you know, there's there's a whole lot more of us in Louisiana than. Uh, Realize. Well, I hope so. But you three are the only ones I talk to. Yeah, I know you got your your new buddy Sean. Is it Sean that was with us a couple of times last week? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, well, the more of you that you get, the more power you got to go up to him and say, "Hey, man, we need some relief here." 
You know, because if you can't vote, you can't even decide or let your weight on your opinion be felt on your local officials, which is damn important. Correct. It is important. It is. So, uh, I mean, what the if you could... The others, uh, some people just don't want to be in the public eye. They just want to be left alone and, uh, you know, be a national in the private. Yes. And uh, so some of them don't want to join our efforts. Well, then they don't have to. I mean, this is all voluntary. Right. Okay. Right. So. Um, real, real quick, and I, I'll get off the I'll get off the phone. Um, has anybody on here heard of an organization called Tactical Civics that is pushing really hard in the state to uh, reclaim the republic? Has anybody been approached by that group by chance? I've never heard of them. Tactical Civics is that the, the what they call themselves? Yeah, yes, that's that's. Uh, they they contacted me. A friend of a friend gave them my number, and uh, they they've got a very ambitious plan. But their their whole premise is that the First Amendment uh, is not the First Amendment. It was the Con- Congressional Apportionment Act that was ratified by eleven states, and they're trying to get. <laughs> They're trying to get enough states to ratify it to have over 6,400 members of Congress in the United States. It's kind of their starting point, if you will, which I don't know. I mean, that you have to get the state legislatures to um, approve that, a majority, or two-thirds, I think it is. And uh, I, I just don't believe that our state legislature, corrupt as they are, um, will do a ratification of a congressional apportionment amendment. So well, I just wanted to bring that up does it, let you guys know that that's a movement that well, well, Baron, no matter what they're doing, they can't do anything when they're still citizens of the United States. Right. That's what I tried to explain. I tried to explain that to the CEO, and he said, I don't want to talk about voluntary servitude. Um, so he didn't even want to have the question of the feudal system. Well, um, then let him I, go. Let I him go. He, I believe he knows that we're, we're correct, and we have court cases and history and the 14th Amendment, 13th and 14th. I believe he knows we're correct, but he just doesn't think that he can get enough people. They think it's renouncing your citizenship. Which they think it's not. They think it right because of David Strait. Because of David Strait, he has ruined this. He really has. Well, he's ruined it for some people that can't uh, go back and reconsider the erroneous stuff they've been taught and come out of the fog. 
And there's a lot of people like that. Again, that's my complaint with these people like David Strait that are out there. And see, here's what happens in the Patriot movement. For my experience is when somebody you put that guy up because he's the first one that you saw that could give you a glimpse into the answers. And so automatically you believe everything he says. Okay. And now somebody comes and tries to tell you something different. And it's the old Mark Twain saying it's easier to fool a man than tell him he's been fooled because now pride's involved and ego and all the rest of that crap okay so i don't know anything to do to help those people um baron how long have they been doing that well for other hold on listen um, they've been doing it for six months okay they, they've been doing it for six months oh. and supposedly they have 1,800 plus uh, members, and they're going county by county and parish by parish. And their goal is to put enough pressure on the council men and council women of their county to pressure the state legislatures Never into ratifying uh, that amendment. That's, they're, their, that's their plan. They're, pe- they're pissing straight up a rope, Baron. Right, exactly. I was going to say if they if they're not willing to learn the factual data that we have, then it's a waste of time for everybody. What they're doing. Yep. Right. And his yes, Marcus. His claim to me was he said there Baron, he said Baron there's not enough time. We well, have to, we have oh, and he and he thinks organizing so, the whole country, county by parish by county, is going to go in and change the legislatures, and he thinks he's got enough time to do that. I know, right? All you can do is give them the information, you know, Baron. Baron, all you can do is give him the information. Yeah. If he's going to review it and learn it, and then he's come not. back and ask questions, you will. Work, he's, we can work. He's not. Him. I can promise you that he's not because he's totally focused on what he thinks is going to be some sort of remedy that's an impossible hill to climb, especially in a short period of time. Well, you're right. He said that uh, the uh, founder of the movement uh, is actually a national, uh, but he doesn't want that the message of the feudal system to be spread throughout the movement because it, it would distract from their agenda, what he told me. Uh, well, walk, go find somebody else. That's probably true. Exactly. <laughs> right. The agenda would be to, to have a red herring that takes everyone along the garden path. Yeah. Uh, you know, I approach a friend with concrete facts and say, hey, here is all the 100% independently verifiable facts about this, about being a national and the feudal system, et cetera, et cetera. Have a, have a list to put in front of them and say, hey, what, what kind of list can you produce that proves that your case is legitimate? And if, if you know, the national thing, this is the easiest and quickest process. You know, so if it's a, a time issue, and, whatever they have and, uh, hatched up is uh, and don't take more time. You lo- you left something out. It's the most effective too. Oh, effective, yes. So they're trying to rebuild the government 
as it exists Damn. and eliminate the administrative agencies. <sighs> and you can't, I, I, you can't, you can't do that. That's not going to happen. No. Until you change status and get out of their jurisdiction, you ain't going to eliminate them. It's, it's another PSYOP, and they're taking a piece of Roger's material and just slowly I, metering it out no. to the public I in think, large groups. I think and, uh, but they'll, they'll dissolve the message by doing that. I think they're taking David Strait's material, or else they'd know a little bit more and understand more. Okay, so anyway, well, Baron, just uh, plant a seed and go on, find somebody else. Six months. I'm working on it. Six months. Six months. Six months. Uh, Okay, who else has got something this morning? We got any new people on this morning? I do, Roger. Oh, there's somebody. I do, Roger. Hello. Hey, it's Samuel. Yes, Um, sir. Yeah. the way I f- I'm looking at it is uh, these are emergency or war power cor- courts working um, under the necessity, so the rules don't exist. And the only That's way true. to attack them is not with an attorney because he's an officer of the court, and he'll get Lynn-wooded if he's dumb enough to even try. We have well, to do this as nationals on ourselves and abate the process. We, this because is, if we, we don't... Um, go ahead. Look, the, the attorney doesn't even have to be involved, but he can help these guys formulate suits and write something if he doesn't want to be involved. He may want to be involved. We don't know. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying that... Uh, He's not going to be able to do it, but maybe he can be a helper to file the paperwork properly. But filing the paperwork is pretty easy. It doesn't need an attorney to show you how to do that. You go to the clerk and say, I want to file this. Writing it, scripting it is a horse of a different color for us folks that are not professional in that area. I don't think that's all done. that. Uh, Hold on. Abram, both of you can't talk at the same time. Samuel, finish what you're saying. Go ahead, Abram. I don't think it's all that complicated. We stand on, I mean, the court is the paperwork. It's not the damn building. And we're nationals, okay? We stand on that. They don't have a process that's legal. If you challenge their process, anything they do is illegal. It's under emergency. It's null and void once it's attacked. And that's all you really need to do. All I'm looking at is ways to press the envelope and expose this. That's all I'm looking at. Okay. Okay. Abram, what well, were you going to say? I'm just saying, you, 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 you waive jurisdiction even when you get an attorney to represent you. They've got this thing spelled out. I was going to say, Samuel, the thing is yep. that it is difficult, okay? You are an exceptional person. You have grown up. You've, you've changed your who you are with this material, okay? You think differently. You do things. You approach the world differently. Everyone that's new to this has to learn you know, they're they're all just seeds in 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 you know 
in the ground growing. And I was planted in a seed of manure and uh, I've grown pretty quickly. And I put exactly what you said in and I defended myself. And uh, I've got the Emergency Powers Act of 33 and I have the uh, Trading with the Enemies Act in there. And uh, I have the fact that we're nationals and not citizens and not residents. And uh, we'll see where this goes. Hopefully, uh, you know, I only have a couple more weeks. It'd be interesting if, uh, but what I didn't know is the process. So yeah, there's the there's the big there. that's the big problem for all of us folks like us is we don't they're totally relying upon process, not law, and we don't know those processes. I I faced that when in my IRS uh, court case in Atlanta. I mean, look, I had that uh, that little IRS agent on the stand for four and a half hours hours and never got one piece of evidence into evidence but Roger I put my affidavit into everyone everyone and other affidavits in as well prior to the first hearing and I put everyone on notice that I'm no longer a citizen and so on so the presumption of being a citizen or a resident is gone. Everybody, yeah, it should be. Everyone involved knows it. The, the point so, I'm trying to make, guys, is, is their process is illegal, so you have to cor- correct the errors in their process by defending your status. Period. Right. Anytime you enter their process, you have become them. Their process no. is under emergency, under necessity, and it is illegal. How do they exclude but somebody who is a legitimate political participant in a political society that now has political rights from voting? There's not a question on your status there. It's a question of discrimination. Yeah, I'm not sure. I even like the word voting. I think that goes back to Part- all right. How about parti- how about participating? How about participating? Well, you don't want to participate in that thirteenth, fourteenth, and fifteenth well, amendment deal. They well, got no, going you on. don't. You don't. So, but they can't exclude so you. Got to be careful. They right? can't exclude you. You see. Well, I don't. I agree. I agree. Yeah, sure. Okay, but yet you've got a right here, Baron. He's the one that went and interviewed the guy that's running for sheriff. He was very receptive to this. Shouldn't Baron be able to vote on him as sheriff? Okay, he can't now. He'd go out and campaign for him. Okay. Anyway, it's an idea, okay? It's an idea, possibly a way to expose this and further our exposure. That's all. Um, We're getting enough people now where we maybe can even consider doing things like this. Well, my refrigerator stopped running. Hell, I hope some bitch didn't break. Um, oh, oh, but isn't it worded, Roger, in the statutes that you, uh, as a as a national, you can't vote, right? 
So they're telling you right out that you got to change. Well, I don't think it. I don't think no. I don't. You don't want to be a voter. I don't think it's worded like that. It says you can only vote if you're a citizen of the United States. It doesn't exclude nationals. It just says only this little group here can do it. This little group over here's really got political rights. That's discrimination. Well, if you put it put the pants on that way, then voting and a citizenship are the same thing. Right. So you don't want to be a voter. You want to be an elector. Well, and as I said, years ago, somehow John and Glenn got registered as electors in Utah. I don't know the specifics, but I know that that happened. Okay. So anyway, the, you know, again, the two areas where we've got some leverage, IRS and here. Okay. Can you get Glenn? Glenn to maybe tell you how he did that? I doubt it. He, I, well, I can ask him. I, okay. he, he might not remember. I'll, you know, I, I think I had a message into okay. him. Glenn, Glenn's off in his own orbit now, okay? So. Okay. All right. Roger, we, on this topic. Yes. Roger? Yes. Catch. Um, the state is composed of the body politics. And uh, so is so a franchise is is not part of lawfully part of the body politic. Well, it is. It is under this system they got running right now. You're a public citizen. All right. Okay. I yield. So uh, anyway, just interesting. I keep trying to get you guys to. You know, go and, and you got to initiate this stuff, folks. I, I mean, it's, you, you've got to do it in your area. Okay. So we'll see if anything comes out of it. It's just an idea. I just keep always looking for ways to press the envelope here. Now that we're getting, uh, you know, a handful of people out there and maybe even a couple of people in a state, you know, it gives us possibly a little leverage to do these things. Uh, what we're trying to do is educate those folks. Okay. Cause just like the state legislature that Baron talked to you, they, she doesn't have any idea. We talked to the, they talked to the, uh, attorney for the secretary of state. He doesn't have any idea. They don't teach this stuff in law schools, folks. That's the hurdle we're up against. One of the big ones. And that's one of the reasons I try and educate you guys so much so that you are now educated and can go out and talk accurately and know what you're talking about and and press the envelope here. So, uh, but it's a day at a time deal and, uh, man, don't know. I had another idea, though, that I thought might work that I was thinking of last night. Uh, Owen Schroyer is you know he's good on the air and he's very good about taking calls and listening to what people have to say okay and let them talk um he does a show on monday night after his war room show on rumble and he takes calls i've heard him say that i've never watched it 
But uh, I wonder if we couldn't focus on Owen on Monday night and, and and get the bug into his ear there where it's not the normal broadcast platform and all that stuff and probably a little less formal. And uh, that's an idea, too. But he's only on on Monday nights, and it's uh, rumble.com front slash Owen, I think. So there's another idea. All right. Do we have any new students today by any chance? Are we still on the air? Am I being heard? Yes, we are. Okay. Yes, we are. No new students yet. Okay. Um, Well, all right. Somebody got something they want to discuss? How about Romans of the Law? Okay, how about what it? we're dealing with now? Yeah, that's exactly what you're dealing with. Well, you're dealing with the combination of common law and Roman and 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 Babylonian merchant code. That's what the Lawyer. Roman civil code is. Yes, Boris. Hey, Ryan. Good morning. Good morning. I know that you always say it's, it's not fraud until you discover the fraud, but we already discovered the fraud. Why can't we? Bring it to the light. Well, that's what I keep trying to do. I mean, we do it individually when you send that affidavit in. And you do it when you apply for a passport. But you're only hitting uh, some processing people in the passport division of the State Department. You know? So uh, that's what we're trying to do is get this out in the open, get it into bigger platforms, get it into more people. Uh, And... uh, I don't know any other way to do it that works that works other than what we're doing here, and it's slow. And then you got the big problem that all of us have, Abram alluded to it a minute ago, is once you get a hold of this information, you don't understand it overnight. Okay? You gotta go back in and totally revisit your entire personal worldview and personal view and go in and change all that stuff that's been, uh, uh, put in there dialectically for you. And that just doesn't happen overnight. That's one of the real big problems here, folks, is they're, they've done such an effective job of screwing everybody's minds up. And they've been real good at it. They've done a very good job. Okay. The silence in my apartment is deafening. Okay. Well, where else can we go this morning? We've beat that a little bit. Hey, Roger. Well, there's Anthony, I think. Is that Anthony or Joe? I think it's Anthony. Yes, sir. Hey, Anthony. It's Anthony. How are you doing this morning? Oh, I'm all right. Well, right now, we're, we're, we're fighting a case in Denver, and we've sent out our affidavits, and we've let them know that we've redacted ourselves from the Corporation of the United States of America and all its subsidiaries, no, so no. of Colorado and of no, Denver. No. No, no, you've you've isolated yourself from the United States and its subsidiaries, not the United States of America. Oh, I understand. I just used some different words, but yes, I understand what you're talking about, Rod. So, uh, so what are you doing out there, Anthony? Well, uh, I got a ticket for running some red lights. I got a disobedience ticket. <laughs> 
So we're running some affidavits right now, and I'm going to be in court tomorrow, and I'm going to go ahead and record it and have it live on TikTok as well. You got a disobedient ticket? Yeah. When you run a red light, it's basically a disobedience ticket. Okay. Well, good luck. Let us know how it turns out. Yeah, it'll be live on TikTok. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Oh, Roger. Yes. I'd like to to give a little quote from Stamper's book here. This is the point I'm trying to make. Um, Since under emergency powers, there is no lawful civil or constitutional authority, nor any lawful civil court, Neither can there be any lawful civil or administrative process. All emergency power power process must be defective in form, content, and authority when such process is compared to lawful process. And defective as it is, it is valid in all cases except when abated. Thus, all court appearances are voluntary because the process rule is all defects of process are cured by voluntary appearance. Yep. Lawful or constitutional process has no bearing on the case. In other words, it does not matter how many errors one finds in process from emergency power courts. If you appear, you inform the court you are waiting that process. So the whole thing is to attack up front. You know, their defect and their lack of authority, especially over one of us nationals. Hey, Samuel, conversely, though, when you send your affidavit out and you put them on notice, you are inv- inviting them to uh, combat by trial. And when they don't appear, then you've already won, right? Yep. So the flip side of this has already happened. See, that's yeah, why I, I tell agree. you. I mean, but the problem is, is, is you can do almost anything and they got jurisdiction. <laughs> that's the problem. It, it, it under martial rule. But you don't and, because they already, they gave it up when, like, you can show up. But once you put them on notice, they've already agreed that they don't have jurisdiction. If they, they didn't show up and they can go throughout their process, right? Unless, unless well, it's like what, what, no. what, what Stamper is saying here, I wish get more people to read it and share it. Um, but I think what Stamper is saying is you have to attack their process as well as who you are. Well, if, if their process is illegal, well, right. certainly so illegal on- process without showing up. Well, you do it in your paperwork. Like Stamper says, the paperwork is the court, not the judge, not the building. It's the paperwork. And now if you end up in there, you really don't say anything. You just tell the judge, it's all in my paperwork. It's all okay. in my paperwork. Well, I think I you, I think, I think, paperwork. I think you would use the phrase, I'm here by special appearance. Nope. He says, doesn't work. There are, he says right here, there are many uh, that believe special appearance 
by paperwork, motions, etc., nullify a court jurisdictions. Under emergency power, this is false doctrine. There is no remedy in challenging a court's jurisdiction except okay. by abating its process first. Okay, then it's Samuel. Process. All right, all hold on, hold on. What about when you don't show up and they issue a bench warrant and come arrest you? That is everything they do, according to Stamper, is illegal. Well, I don't everything. disagree with him. Their, their court steals stamp. Their everything that they're doing is illegal. Period. And you're probably better off getting yanked in there by a warrant than showing up voluntarily. The way it looks to me. But you know, this is my opinion. Where are you reading this stuff? Uh, it's it basically, if you want to sum up Stamper's book, read 12 pages of ch- chapter 12, The Fruits okay. of a Poisonous Tree. The name of the... Towards the end of the book, he's, he's wrapping it up a, a bit here. And, it, it, you know, I've had this book a long time, and I underline things of importance. And th- that chapter gets more underlining and, you know, attention than most... Um, on basic important words, um, you know, he, he he lays out what the problem is and what the remedy is in here. Um, and and with us being national, something he didn't understand, I mean, that just gives it that much more strength, the way I look at it, Roger. You know? Well, it just goes back to every one of these incidents are local fiefdoms. We have not had one single blowback from the federal government against anybody for anything that I've ever been informed of. Roger, Never. Um, Not once. Augustus um, contacted everybody, you know, that ticket that he got. Yes. For, yeah, that incident. Um, he already sent in all his administrative paperwork to everybody that needed to be noticed. And he was supposed to go to court and he has not received any calls or anything back from them um, so far. Yeah, well, just like Jeff with all of his stuff with four cop cars around him, he hadn't gotten any process from them either. Yeah, um, I think Mike was talking to him or Joe. I don't remember which one. Um, they were going back and forth, and um, he and I was helping him. Um, on email or on the phone sometimes and he sent in all that information uh, he did all the paperwork and noticed them and you know now we're just kind of like julie yep. you know yep. never got anything you're, out of it you're or free ne- they never came back you're free to go uh that's that seems where a bunch of these things end up it's going to be interesting to see what happens with mike there in irondale with his tyrannical female magistrates three of them women will rule over you and children will be your oppressors what, what was the name of tomorrow it? what's going to happen with me in the court so oh tomorrow's I, your day a bunch of people a bunch of paperwork yeah tomorrow's my court day we're going to do a video i'm going to have a, uh, a notary 
there at the video so that they can record it and we can have a copy of um, oh. all the media. Okay. So that if we need to do a, 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 an appeal, we will have all that information. Okay. You know, what, what some people used to do is take their own court reporter in there. It's probably short notice for you, and I don't know about the financial limitations of that, but that's something I seems like I remember people doing years ago. Anyway, good luck That's in there. That's what I'm going to be doing notary. Okay, good luck in the there. notary's going to be doing that for me. Okay, fantastic. Good, good, Anthony. Well, and Colorado well, has gotten man. incredibly corrupt. I mean, about like Georgia, you know. Oh, I'm going to make a video on it. They kind of rushed me through the first time, and they cut me off from the video 15 minutes into it. And then I couldn't call any of the court numbers at all. I was locked out from the, the entire system. So, yeah, they'll railroad you in, and then they gave me a warrant, and then they arrested me for the time that I was in there, and then they signed me out as a bond where I had to sign out as a surety. So now I have to go in, but I have to tell them I do not want a joinder or a contract, and that I refuse to be surety for this bond. Okay. Well, good luck with it tomorrow, and don't run red lights. Can I get in this conversation? I think you can now. Oh, can you hear me? Because I didn't, I have the mic away from me. Yeah, I have some ideas for your video. I'll read it for you. It's from uh, it's for, for comedy effect for entertainment to increase the views. Because just how outlandish what the word is, what what you did, what they're calling it. Anyway, this is from a video I copied. Joseph A. D. Amico. I don't know if I meant to write Amato. Uh, is who said it. It's about the and this is for comedy person purposes to add to your video with the transcriber and use uh, just to, to get more of an audience on the ridiculousness of what's going on. So this is about the most credible blue ribbon who's who of New York law enforcement, uh, where extraordinary claims require ex- extraordinary e- evidence. Um, so what it is, this is the, 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 the paragraph. A group of the best and brightest law enforcement officials you have ever seen assembled, period, in the state of New York. The Blue Ribbon Commission, the all-stars, a roster of who's who in the law enforcement community. If this government has something to hide, this group of people is going to find it and they're going to expose it. And that's what this is all about. These commissioners are the untouchables of the New York law enforcement and their integrity perceived or actual is the cornerstone of Cuomo's plan to clean up New York government. Shit. So I think that might assist <laughs> your video. Um, I have lots of ideas like that being a video, uh, a visionary. And I also agree with the other guy he was talking about. I had a, he was a drunken guy. I can't think of his name, but he was talking the same stuff. And I operate that way, that it's in the document. It's in the document. Do you have the document? I gave it. The, so what you're doing is you're giving non-responsive answers and not giving the court jurisdiction. You're not answering. You're, you're responding with questions instead of acknowledging their fiction. And it's, it's like a process where you're, you're, you're simply not giving them jurisdiction. It's tactic. It's from the same era when Judge Dale came out with the book. 
Uh, and I'll remember who that guy is, but I'll yield there. That's two points I wanted to add. Uh, thanks. Well, the easiest way uh, is to go in there and tell them that you are the man, you're the not the nonfiction, and that uh, you are the beneficiary of the trust, and that you choose not to join her or contract. And that's really all you have to say. Because if you name yourself as beneficiary, then any part, no part of the court will be the beneficiary, and that's how they get you and make you pay. I thought you were a national. Is this this Cui Veste Trust stuff again, Anthony? No, that's part of it. Because you can't be you can't be the surety and the party at the same time. So when they use the surety, they use your capital okay. name in all caps. Okay. And then you have to be the uh, upper and lower case, okay. and that's what it is. Well, I okay. Well, good luck tomorrow, and let us know how it turns yeah, out. Yes, Catch. We'll get it done. Uh, Monique may, may, has a good question. Are you the person mentioned in the warrant, Anthony? No, I'm not that person. Yes, that's a great question. Thank you, Monique. Yeah, but that, that's, the, that's the right answer is no, I'm not that person. And then you're simple. And if they proceed, your your deal is: uh, Are you an independent trier of facts, or are you a party to the action? And knowing that, they cannot practice from the bench and enter a plea for me. Okay. So anyway, well, good luck tomorrow. It's all traffic crap. It's always traffic crap. Every time. We don't get any problems. You may in a second. You don't get any problems from IRS. You don't get any problems from the administrative agencies. It's always traffic crap. Unless you just want, hold on, unless you just want to put yourself through this grief, drive carefully and responsibly. Yes, sketch. No, who is the female? There's a female there. Hold on. All right, go ahead. Who's the female? This is Gigi here. Yes, ma'am. Good day. Good morning. Uh, Roger, I have a, I have a question regarding um, noticing the U.S. Attorney General's office. Well, uh, we've never um, suggested that, but it's not a bad idea. Yes. Okay, I was un uh, I was under the understanding that. After the secretary gets noticed, then the next party would be the U.S. Attorney General's office? No, we've never suggested that. The state attorney general. The state attorney general. The state attorney general, not the U.S. Although that's not a bad idea. You know, it wouldn't be a bad idea to have people... Uh, when they send in their affidavit to the Secretary of State of the U.S. to CC Merrick Garland in the Department of Justice. That's not a bad idea. Oh, well, maybe it was something I added. I thought it was something that was suggested on the website. Nope. Okay. Um, okay, so I, I have the state um, attor- uh, attorney general as well uh, on the list. Um, however, the next one, I think, was district courts I, I've not, uh, to no. be notified. No, ma'am. I don't know where you're getting this stuff, but neither one of those oh. two or anything we've ever okay, suggested. Well, I, 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 
I apologize then. Um, I have it on my notes and it, I, okay. Um, vital statistics like the health department, was that, I, I, would you suggest that for a notification as well? It's never been on the list. No, we did say that you should probably add in your county public health official to the state attorney general notice because of the law that they tried to float in Washington state last year where the public health official has more power than the local sheriff. That bill failed. Okay. But they did float the idea. That's why we added that in there, but not vital statistics. All they do is print birth certificates. Okay. Well, I thought, uh Right. Oh, maybe I got it wrong then. Uh, I, I get sometimes vital statistics and state uh, health department confused. Um, so, uh, well, I've got on my list the state health department as well as the local because, you know, uh, they try to mandate this uh, business with a supposed uh, upcoming uh, mandatory for another jab or whatever that um, these people should be notified that we don't fall under that uh, man- mandates. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I also had, yeah. Okay. So, um, here's a, oh, Gigi, let me, let me just stop you right there. Here's the list that, and it's not totally relegated to this. If you want to notice some of those other people, feel free. But the people that you need to notice is you need to address it to the state attorney general and you need to CC on that document because you're locking them in through the laws of agency, your local sheriff, your local chief of police, your local prosecutor, district attorney, and the local public health official. Those are the four that we've kind of come up with at this point. Okay. Yeah, I got that. It also suggests that if uh, we had others we wanted to add to check with you on it. Well, you can add. You can uh, listen. You can notice. You can walk down the street in your town giving everybody notice. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much. Okay. Um, uh, thank you, Roger. Uh, one more thing. Um, I I uh, downloaded. Um, uh, an audio from 523 of this year and it was talking about the feudal system however when I went to uh, going over it you know to listen and study there was no sound so um, it was 19 minutes and 28 uh, seconds and so I'm wondering uh, if there is a copy with sound and if not even so could you speak more about the feudal I, system? Well, I have. To, well, yeah, I can talk about the feudal system a bunch if you want to hear about it. Okay. Um, oh, I do. All right. Well, then, we'll, unless anybody's got anything else impressing on what we're talking about, we can launch off on that. Um, well, the feudal there system. Was a, go I ahead. think there was someone else that was waiting to ask you a question, Roger. All right. Okay. Somebody right else had a question? If not, we'll launch into the feudal system for Gigi and other folks that don't know about it. I don't, you know, 
never get back feedback that the operation here where the show's recorded and transfer it and upload it, that there's been gaps in it. That's the first report of that I can remember. Okay. So, anyway, sorry if that's the case. Yes, there's probably a recording. Yes, I'd have to go back and find it, play the whole thing, see if the audio is complete, and I'm just not going to do that. Okay. So, uh, was there somebody with a question that Merka was alluding to, please? Uh, I was just going to say, Gigi, talk to Paul about that. And Anthony, I don't know if you have... Uh, pleaded, but if you haven't, you can always walk into court with an unsigned guilty plea. Get your information, and and that way they can't do a plea for you. I yield. Okay. Um, was there somebody else that had a question? I think it might have been sketched, so okay. I think we're good. All right. Well, let's go back and talk about the feudal system. Okay. The feudal system Roger, was... Go ahead. Just a couple more points in here. Um, I think it's important. I'm sorry to interrupt, but uh, this is also from a stamper statement. Arrest warrants with a judge's signature, black ink, proper affidavits, and proper court seals are lawful processes and cannot be used in emergency power courts. That is why such warrants all are right, no, issued hold, today. All right, hold on, Samuel. Hold <laughs> I want you to start again, and what distracted me was you said black ink. Usually it's... Arrest warrants with a judge's signature, parentheses, black ink. Well, I think it... I think it should be blue ink, because black ink copies as black ink. Blue ink copies as black ink blue ink is the usual way that they do that but that just distracted me when you say that so start again okay (laughs) yeah uh arrest warrants with the judge's signature whatever ink proper affidavits and proper court seals are lawful processes and cannot be used in emergency power courts that's why such warrants are being issued today are never proper. Could be. And I'm going to go on. Fortunately, further. Fortunately, I haven't seen very. I haven't seen any of those. So fortunately, I don't have personal experience. Go ahead. Further, Title Two. Title Two is what how the Senate and Congress run their world, right? I guess, um, from what I know about it. Uh, Further, Title II of the United States Code, the Congress is not positive law, only resolution. This means that a title USC stands only until it is successfully challenged in the courts. Why is this? Did not Congress abandon without proper recess the first sections during the during Lincoln's administration in 1860, question mark. He, he goes on and on here. This is an important chapter in this book that I would like to entice people to all read and uh, discuss. Because according to him, abating that process is is the remedy. And, and again, I, I want to emphasize Stamper doesn't even know about this national status. So you put the national status on top of abating the, their process, which 
is not proper. It's under the uh, uh, the bankruptcy and the emergency powers and the war powers. So attacking that is is what he's asking us to do to to get remedy and rebuilding jural societies with uh, common law and the Bible principles as backing. Well, that's one of the things that we could do down the line if we get enough people and get organized. We can have real common law courts and common law grand juries. He says all of the terms even used in traffic court, he says you don't find these terms in regular law. He says where you find these terms are in martial um, law under military rule. Yeah. The whole process is military rule. Well, it is through the emergency and through declaring the U.S. citizens to be the enemy there as they brought that legislation forward. Right. Okay. And it, we, all, we all know for sure that's sitting there and it's never gone away. And that's what he's saying you're abating. You know, abatements, he says, are the primary tool to achieve a peaceful and lawful restoration of godly authority to this nation. You can see why abatements are one of the most important tools the people have. If the people lawfully resist any submission to emergency power courts, process and procedure, and respond to unlawful paperwork with lawful process, emergency powers and are nullified and become null and void ab initio. Well, they're, they're nullified when you file your affidavit, in our case. You do an end run around that whole you deal. That courtroom. You revert so you back. You that courtroom. You've got to stand on both that, Roger, and, and uh, abating their process because it's unlawful. Okay. Roger, Otherwise, so would, assume would, would we call that action at law then? Yes, that would be an, your affidavit's an action at law. Right. Remember, it says, except by op. Hold on. Hold on. Remember in the responses, it goes back to HJR, HR 92. Uh, Glenn came out with it from the Internal Revenue Code, that little phrase, except by operation of law. And they always put it at the last of whatever they're saying. Every time. Every time. This is why when Joe was in court, they let him ramble on about the statutes, codes, and regulations, but would not let him read his affidavit. Yeah. So so while you're in court, like if some, um, one of, if anybody was in court, they would say this is an action at law or do what the first thing you do, the first thing you do is stand on you have no personum jurisdiction. You've received notice. I've done this the proper way with the proper authorities. It stands unrebutted. You were put on notice. You have no personum jurisdiction. There's two types of jurisdiction. Jurisdiction, Merca. Okay, personum and subject matter. Right. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. But now, in the rules of the court, when when jur- they just say jurisdiction, I guess it applies to either one of those. We rely on personum jurisdiction. Okay. When jurisdiction is challenged, 
that proceeding cannot go forward until that challenge is addressed and clarified. Right. Yep. Okay. All right. Thank you. No Stamper is saying you also need to attack the process and show that as being unlawful. No, you could do that too. But the first thing you do is stand on it, personal it, jurisdiction. It, 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 if you look at what Bill Thornton is saying, he only gets gets he only goes there to answer questions, and usually the questions are in his paperwork. So the only thing he's really ever saying in the court is, "It's in my paperwork, Your Honor. Please, you know, read that. Refer to my paperwork. And that's it. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, we well, had well, that. Can't, we had that scare you and trap you. We had that situation in Missouri. Point of clarification that he's um, giving non-responsive answers. They're trying to get jurisdiction through consent by his responses to the fictional what they're speaking. They'll and try every trick. They'll try. Thing. They'll try every trick in the book to get around that, and they got a bag full of tricks, folks. So, okay. Started with twenty eight hundred. Yeah. Okay. So, so okay. So what's and, and what's I the moral? Know. What's the moral of the story here? All the problems come from traffic. Drive responsibly. And then you'll avoid all this crap. Unless you want to be a gladiator like Mike and Joe and some of the other guys and not drive with a tag. And they seem to take great umbrage to that. And unless you live in New Jersey, too. And every one of you ought to go through this DOT process and get, get a DOT number on your car. Seems like to me. Yep. Okay. But this is one of the things, if you're going to do this, you're going back and saying, hey, I'm going to be responsible here. I don't want to be sucking off the government tit and involved in all that stuff. So live your life like that. This is a change in lifestyle, folks. It's changing the way who you are, the way you think, and the way you act. To me, that's the big moral of all of these discussions we have on all this court crap and procedure and what to do and what not to do. Drive responsibly. Is that is that too hard? Nope. Okay. We want to go back to the feudal system here. The feudal system, Gigi and others who may not know this, was an outgrowth of the downfall of Rome. Okay? And this is why it developed in Europe initially. All right? This is, we mentioned the other day with Brent, the Westphalian Treaty, Treaty of Westphal, 1600, somebody can look it up. The Treaty of Westphal was when all these people got together and said, we're going to have groups of countries where all this fiefdom and all this kind of stuff, we're going to go back and do it in the form of countries. And that's why Vittel's Law of Nations was written. Okay? That was the outgrowth of the downfall of Rome. All right? Now, the action in Rome was mainly in the Western Roman Empire. You know, there was two Roman empires at the end, right? You had Constantinople, 
the eastern where they moved everything and then you had the western rome which was the old rome italy and the territory was huge it stretched it went through the whole mediterranean all the way over from spain called iberia and all the way over to turkey and constantinople it was huge but it was kind of divided into two and this action took place not in constantinople in the eastern but in the western empire because it was weakened okay so as the western empire we'll just use this as an example goes over to spain it goes from italy all along what's now the french coast and all the way over to the spanish coast well because it's on the water and because of trade that's where the main cities were okay and so as the goths and the visigoths the anglo-saxons is who those people were okay as they came down and invaded and took over rome what they do in the western empire there especially was that they'd cut off the roads and isolate the cities and put them under siege okay so as people saw that happening if they could they'd get out of the city that was either under siege or about to be under siege well because they're on the coast there they either had boats and they're going to jump in the mediterranean or they're going to go inland okay so obviously most of them went inland at that point in time the land had been awarded to mainly roman generals who were successful in battles they'd give them big things of land also politicians i'm sure okay and so they were potentially under siege too but they were not on the coast in a city and so as the people left the cities and they'd go up to these landowners and you can just envision the scene look our towns are being uh, sequestered and we're under attack and we are looking for a place to run and the guy that owns the land's going you can just imagine somebody thinking in the back of their mind, well, I'm kind of vulnerable too, okay? So it's a natural marriage between the landowner and the people that were coming to seek protection, okay? And so out of that situation developed this arrangement, protection for allegiance, allegiance for protection. That's jurisdiction. That's where it came from. Allegiance for protection, protection for allegiance. It's the relationship between a liege man, L-L-E-I-G-E, a liege man and his liege lord, the lord of the manor, the landowner. He said several times, I had somebody, I think it was Pat, uh, our buddy Pat came on one day and said, I was watching an old movie last night, and and the guy was had his armor on from that time period, and he's beating his chest and go, yes, my liege, yes, my liege. Well, there's that relationship, the liege man to the liege lord. And as it says in the descent in Wong Kim Ark, it was absolute and unbending and unchi- unchanged by time or space. Okay, it's a permanent relationship in that situation. Allegiance for protection, protection for allegiance. That's why you go back and go to that one little sentence: a national owes total allegiance to a small s state. Anytime you owe allegiance, the state automatically, reciprocally owes you protection. Protection for allegiance, allegiance for protection. 
It's a reciprocal agreement, and that is the basis of jurisdiction, period, today. That's why they use that phrase in that act, okay? So, anyway, that's how it started. And from there on, it spread through this relationship of large landowners. You know, the large landowner can't work all that land by himself. He's got to have people to do it for him. And so they built these communities of fiefdoms, manors, they called them. And the guy that owned the land was the lord of the manor, and everybody else was serfs. Now, I've come to understand and read that if you had a big enough manor, you had different lords to do different things. Okay? So this is where you can understand that in the federal manor, that it's the Secretary of State is the lord of the manor that has all exclusive rights and decisions over all matters concerning citizenship. Just like in those days, they had different lords for all kinds of different things of the manor. They had one uh, lord that was in charge of all punishment that included anything to do with bloodletting. Okay? It's that guy. That was his area of responsibility. Okay? And so you had these big feuds, and they had in Europe two types of serfs. In England, they only had one. But in Europe, they had involuntary servitude and voluntary servitude. The involuntary serf was much akin to black slavery in our country. Okay? And there was one way, and only one way, I guess you could run away, okay, that may be two, but there was only one legitimate way to get out of the condition of involuntary servitude. And that was if you were a bastard. Because there was always even the slimmest of chance that you were fathered by the Lord of the manor. And that one fact would get you out. Okay? The other side was the voluntary serf that volunteered into the condition. And as we've said, it was a contract. Okay? It was an oral contract. You can go look it up. You can actually see it recreated if you want in Monty Python's Holy Grail. There was an oath of fealty in the Holy Grail. Okay, But the oath of fealty was your contract with the lord of the manor to come into voluntary servitude and to give him a property right on you. Okay, We've talked about it before. You would kneel on both knees, put your hands over your head as if you were praying. I think it's very important. Notice both knees, total subservience, not one knee. If a knight bowed in front of the Lord, he was on one knee. Because it wasn't God, it was the Lord of the manor, his God. But here, you're on both knees. Okay? So both knees, your hand over your head, the Lord of the manor standing above where you're kneeling, puts his hands over your hands, and you swear the oath of fealty. All the other serfs, or at least a, a number of them, Sure, it varied situation to situation, but other serfs were in a circle around this ceremony as witnesses. This is a contract. In law, 
they call oral contracts parole, P-A-R-O-L-E, parole contract. This is a parole contract, okay? And this is what Colonel House said in his paper that was found in Woodrow Wilson's effects. We will make them sureties by invoking the ancient pledge. This is the ancient pledge, the oath of fealty. And you would pray with the Lord, and you would pledge to him your body and your worldly goods. Your body as property. And because now he had a property right in you, just like today with your cars and your house, you really don't own them. You can control them. You can pay for them. You can do all the rest of that stuff, but you don't own it. And the reason you don't own those things is because the federal government has property right in you, period. And property, as we say, property can't own property, okay? A property right can't own a property right, all right? And so if you want to verify this, you can go back to Black's Law Dictionary, and the word is pronounced villain, the males were villains, and the females were called knaves, K-N-A-V-E-S, okay? And so if you go and look in Black's Law, it's going to be spelled differently because of this English and French deal, okay? So in Black's, it's spelled V-I-L-L-E-I-N and pronounced villain. But as they brought this over with William the Conqueror, it got Englishized, and it's now villain. Okay? But if you want to go look this up, and I'd encourage you to do this, all right? Because then it's 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 not Roger telling you, I I saw this. Okay? So if you go to Black's or any other law dictionary and look under villain, V-I-L-L-E-I-N, villain, like a lean, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? Um you'll find a number of different types of villains, all right? But the one we kind of suspicion that they're using here is called a villain regardant. And a villain regardant, on the definition, says a villain attached to the land, that's property, attached to the land and transferable by deed. There's your birth certificate to the bond. Okay. So that was the system in Europe. It lasted. We were talking about a system with a thousand years of legal precedent here, folks. Four times longer than our country's been around. This system was around. All right. In Europe, we had both types of villains. And when William the Conqueror, who was the Duke of Normandy, he was of Norman stock, he was Anglo-Saxon, and they'd come down, the Normans had come down and fought the French, and they'd beaten them, and they gave them this part of France, Normandy. Okay? And he was the Duke of Normandy. I think uh, we learned he was uh, William the Bastard, some people called him, because he was a bastard, evidently. Okay? But his name was, uh, as we're familiar with it, William the Conqueror, the Duke of Normandy. He had, because of this blood lineage, back to the Norsemen who had also harassed and conquered England, he had a claim to the throne of England. So with the Jews, no doubt, behind him, 
and the Catholic Church, both of them financing him, he came over and in 1066 beat Harold, who was the sitting king of England, his blood relative to some extent, some somehow, you know, third cousin twice removed, that kind of thing. Anyway, they both had a legitimate claim to the throne. The Duke of Normandy came over. They fought it at the Battle of Hastings. That's what it's called. Down on south part of England, down there, probably in the vicinity of the Cliffs of Dover. Okay? So they were fighting this battle, and Harold was actually taking control of the battle, evidently. And the Duke of Normandy was about to lose. This is one of those rare moments in history, okay, where one incident changes the whole history of the planet, really, okay? And the situation was that William the Conqueror, one of his archers, had one arrow left. They're losing. He arbitrarily fires the arrow into the air. It landed in King Harold's eye dropped him dead on the spot one arrow arbitrarily shot last arrow arbitrarily shot into the sky kills the commander of the opposing forces when the king dropped dead even though they were on the verge of evidently taking command of the battle all of his soldiers ran and William the Conqueror became the king of England okay one arrow so you can go verify some of this if you want in blacks and what you want to look under is called the doomsday book we pronounce it doomsday it's spelled again because of this french thing dome d-o-m-e domesday book pronounced doomsday book and it'll tell you that william the conqueror came over took over england and he started giving out land to all of his nobles okay and in in that description you'll see surveying tools minute and second okay those are surveying so he went out and had the whole land of england surveyed and then dished it out to his nobles but as brent informs us because brent's pretty knowledgeable in this he was pretty smart about it and what he'd do is he gave some of his nobles the land. He'd give them a piece up in northwest England and a piece down in southeast England and a piece over in northeast England and a piece down in southwest England. So the nobles that owned the land were traveling all over the country, going from one piece of land to the other. So they couldn't all get together and plot on how to overthrow him. So he set it up where they were busy. Okay? That took 20 years. All right? And this is where you find out this titles of nobility stuff. Because how they held their land was in relation to the king. So if the king gave you your land directly, you might be a lord. If you then sublet some of your land given by the king to somebody else, he may have been called a duke. 
And if that duke sublet some of his land to somebody else, he might be called an earl. I don't know that those are correct. I'm just using this as examples. So in England, you knew when your title came out in what relationship you had your land to the king. Okay? This is where, mentioned it the other day, the word estate, like real estate, the word estate means less than true ownership. That's why the people that the king gave the land to had an estate in the land because it was the king's. And whatever their title was, you could tell the relationship and their land holdings they had to the king. Okay? pretty. It's interesting because it probably fills in blanks for a lot of you that didn't know the reason. All these things have concrete reasons. Okay? And that term estate, what do we call it in our real estate? I'm a real estate agent. Huh? Well, that means in itself, by definition, less than true ownership. For all you elodial title folks, you might want to keep that in your back pocket. Okay? So after he got the land divvied up and all that, they brought the feudal system with them over from France and instituted it in England. All right? But there was one really important difference. England has always had what's called a free soil doctrine. That means everybody born on the soil of England cannot be a slave. There are no slaves born on the island of England. Okay? And so when they brought the feudal system over, they couldn't bring over the involuntary side of it. That stayed in Europe. And all we had in England was the voluntary side of it because of the free soil doctrine. And as I've said, in the old writings of the famous English jurists, may have been Cook, so guy, here we go with more of this language stuff. His name is spelled Coke, C-O-K-E. It's pronounced Cook. Okay? One of the great English jurists. And he called these people, the voluntary serfs, the unfree. They didn't call them slaves. They called them the unfree. And they called this system the English variety of slavery. Voluntary servitude. Okay? And so, I mean, that's basically it, Gigi. That's how it developed. That's how it came into Europe. That's how it got transferred to England with the differences that we elaborated on there. Okay? So there was no involuntary servitude. There was only voluntary servitude. But this everything else applied. Okay? It was the same system from Europe, just excluding the involuntary serfs, and we only had voluntary serfs, and that's the system they foisted on us. Any comments or questions on that? Okay. So that's uh, that's the feudal system, and underneath right. this, see here, you see. Hold on, Gigi. There's some important part I brought out that's really relevant to us here. When you volunteered into the condition, 
then you were an object of the Lord of the Manor's property rights. So when you and Mama had a baby, the baby was born into the same condition. Had to be. And the example we use, if you got a cow and a bull out there in your back pasture and they have a calf, whose calf is it? It's yours. You own the cow and the bull. They have the calf. The calf's yours too because you own them. It's the same principle here. Okay? So when the child is born, it's born into this voluntary contract from the oath of fealty. But it's still born into the condition. So the condition follows that of the people that originally swore to the oath of fealty. And it could be, what well, hell, it could be five, ten generations later. Every generation has been born into the same condition. But the ability to volunteer out follows that train. So if you're the fifth generation after your great-great-great-great-grandfather swore into the oath of fealty, if you're the fifth generation, you still have the right to volunteer out because the contract from the start was voluntary. Okay? Very important. It's a contract. And see... This is the contract that nobody knows about that's operable here. I doubt if you could go and talk to a hundred attorneys and said, is there a silent contract that runs generationally? And they're going to say no. Because all of our ideas of contracts are, yeah, both parties agree, and it's got to have a sum certain, a date certain, and all, all the different requirements contract. Okay? But this contract doesn't have any of those. It's unique. But it's still a contract. Okay? And so you can volunteer out of that condition, even though they put all of our grandparents in there at one time in 1933 on March the 9th, and that contract has run generationally throughout since. Okay? And this is why they come back and ask you the two questions. Are you a citizen of the United States? Are you a resident? And you answer yes and confirm their fraud of putting everybody into the condition on March the 9th in mass. It's another reason that this process works. Okay. So, Gigi, does that cover some of it for you? Oh, Roger, very much so. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And, um very, very, very articulate, and I love the breakdown of the uh, the landowner and the history of breaking it down with the man and the Lord. It really uh, turned on some lights for me. Okay, well, that's the situation. <laughs> and, and well, the, and that's the situation we're in. They took those concepts and came over and just overlaid them on us now why did they do that why is this feudal system so damned important to them you know you can go back to um carol quigley see what our time is here you can go back to carol quigley you know carol quigley was mama g no it 
Okay. Well, Carol Quigley was a professor at Georgetown University. I forget what he taught, but Bill Clinton in his original acceptance speech got up and said, uh, my favorite professor at Georgetown was Carol Quigley. He stated it publicly. Okay. Carol Quigley was a member of the CFR and all these guys. And because he was a member, they let him go into the CFR's archives for two years and research the archives. He took that research. He wrote a couple of different books. But the one that really points on this is he wrote a book called Tragedy and Hope. Have you ever heard of that? No, sir. Pretty famous book. Um, uh, One of the big publishing houses... uh, published it initially and when they found out what was in it they went back and destroyed the plates it's been republished since you can acquire it okay and this is carol quigley the insider after going over the insider's private files for two years he writes this book okay and in that book there's a quote and he says the financial leaders of the world meet privately several times a year and they're fashioning and fashioned the world financial system into a feudal type system that's carol quigley's words okay wow well you know i dare say that you can't have a worldwide financial system fashioned after the feudal system unless you got serfs The manner. Well, it's really magnificent. Right, right. The magna. The it's, manner. It's really funny. Go ahead. I love the breakdown and the comparison, uh, bringing it from uh, the old uh, to the modern day times. Yeah, the comparison all. is very valuable. Well, I mean, what are the, all their? Hey, what are the? What are they using here? They're using concepts, folks. All right. I, you can't go up to anybody in America and say, "Do you know you're in the feudal system?" They're going to look at you like you got three eyes, and it's plain as the nose on your face. When you understand it, that's the system we're in. Exactly. When I first heard it, I was like, "What kind of system is that?" And then I got a little bit of it, and I'm going, "Hmm." I'd like to find out more about this fuel well, system in the work I'm doing. It is very valuable information. Well, you can go so dearly. Listen, there's there's tons of time and there, there's tons of books on it. Okay, you can go read all to your heart's content about it. Abram, was that you trying to say something a second ago? Who was trying to say something? Yes, yes. Uh, and they've they, you know originally it was allegiance for protection, protection for allegiance. And they were protecting, supposedly, the, the black slaves from retaliation against the North, right? So that's where your agreement is for protection and allegiance, right? And since then, now that they have everyone uh, under the same uh, umbrella, now they have this new health threat. So they have to protect you from COVID. They have to protect you from, from yourself and from other people. And so now they have this property right in you, and they can order you to get injections and so forth and so they're actually delivering 
on their promise with this, uh, well, allegedly, right, uh, of protection. So, you know, when they, they have these health officials have been or may have been and may in the future be deputized to have special privileges and, and, and rights, uh, you know, they're they're continuing on the same stream. I mean, it, it's legitimate for their scam. Yeah, and the legitimacy is it's this feudal system where you're an object of their property rights. And just like with the cow and the bull example, I mean, you can go out there in that pasture and cut that bull's nuts off, can't you? Roger. Uh, another evidence to, like you said, that he would get down and pray to with the Lord in order to get what he was after, what they were both after. Well, that goes on in court every day when they ask you to plea. That's a prayer to the court. Yeah, my prayer to the court. That's um, used. That's used in I, court language. Okay. When I found that out, um, if I'm ever asked again, I'm going to say I don't pray to men. So anyway, back to this. Um, that this is the system we're in, and the reason the affidavit works is because they have to recognize it. They have to recognize it. It's the system they built. And they do recognize it, don't they? You got your passport, didn't you? You, Outside of a a piss-poor Mrs. Robinson letter that's so sophomoric it's ridiculous. Hey, Roger. Yes. I found out why the moonshine still guy tells people not to add an explanatory statement. Okay. He he lives in he lives in Arkansas. Correct. And in Arkansas in Arkansas they will not accept because this just happened to somebody on uh, in Arkansas. They went down to the passport office to get a passport, and they had an explanatory statement, and they were kicked out of the building after about 20 minutes of delegation with with the employees and the supervisor at the passport office they're told we're not taking it if you do have a passport here you will get a u.s citizen passport we know what you're trying to do you're trying to change your status and just claim to be a national we're not going to do that we don't recognize that here um oh, hold it it actually, doesn't they echoed the miss robinson letters it doesn't make a shit what they think it makes a damn what's in the instructions not see he's he not knowing it's the feudal system hadn't picked out the warning in the instructions he just said unless explanatory statement is attached from the oath it's not an explanatory statement it's a friggin affidavit this is sworn court testimony Sir, yeah, but that's what they're doing. They actually had a security guard escort this guy out of the building uh, the other day because they just won't they won't do it. And they even said they basically said like almost word for word what's what's in the Robinson letters to him. Well, then we're starting to get some hackles raised, aren't we? When that, when that information is filtering down to post offices in the state of Arkansas, we're starting to have an effect, is my observation. They're, they're, they're seeing it as a U.S. national, which is the American Samoan, and they, don't, they still don't understand that it's 
the national. I, I don't see how the post office is overriding the verbiage in an OMB numbered public information gathering request from the State Department. They're was totally. It, was it? Um, who is it? The post. The um, well, evidently, it's the post office, and the guy yeah, probably no. Who's the main person there that they need to talk to? I wonder if. Well, the postmaster. The, that was... the postmaster. And if the local yeah, post. The guy who went... Okay. Well, then you go over him and you go to his boss. It's just like Princess out there in California running into that wacko at the post office. It's right in the instructions on an OMB numbered public information gathering request issued by the State Department. You don't have the authority to overrule that. Sorry. Roger. Yes. Joe. They probably need to get Uh, noticed, too. Well, Joe, I think by... Except by operation of law, they're not following the law. Is that correct? Well, they're not even following their own instructions. Sounds like they need to notice. Well, these are some of these some of these weird wacko jurisdictions. These local fiefdoms. People don't understand, obviously, and that's part of our job is to educate them. So, okay, well, there's our whistler. I guess all y'all can hear that. So anybody else got any comments or questions here at the end? Well, I just want to say I, I told the guy to report that to the OMB and to the Department of State that he can't add an explanatory statement to his uh, passport from that office. No, that That's just absolutely, totally wacko. That's the first time we've ever heard that. Okay, there's Wahib. Hold on, Wahib's here. Wahib, what do you got? Uh, check out Doug Casey's International Man. When all crimes are those against the state, International Man is a Doug Casey article in International Man. Okay. Doug Casey doesn't know shit about what we're talking about here. Okay. So, uh, and I've no, met him. No, no, but it sounds like he's been listening. It sounds like he's been listening to you because well, this is what the article Well, that's good because when I'm, that's good, Wahid, because when I met him in person, he wouldn't listen to me. End of show. Okay. And it is Tuesday, which means I am headed off to be with the Bubba's and the Bubbettes and break a little bread and find out about the chili cook-off and all that kind of stuff. So we'll be back tomorrow for more entertaining, educational, and enlightening enlightening conversation. And hopefully we'll see you and maybe some new folks then. Ciao.